The following podcast contains general advice only and does not take into account your individual circumstances. Listeners should speak to an accountant or financial advisor before making any investment decision. Hey everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Market Pulse podcast. My name is Dion Gribben and this is episode 18. Do you feel in charge? Thank you very much for tuning in this week. Please share the podcast around to your friends. If you have anyone that enjoys these weekly updates on what's happening in the market and what's happening in the economy, I love word of mouth and I love hearing about that too. So please let me know if you have any questions or if you'd like me to cover anything on the show that you feel like I might have missed. Let's jump into it this week and we'll, of course, start with how the markets in Australia and the US went. And then we'll jump into a few different topics. I also have a listener question at the end, which is very relatable to what the topics are this week. So we'll sort of transition into that one. The ASX 200 was unfortunately down this week. It was down 0.7%. The S&P 500 in the US had a worse week. It was down 3.3%. And the NASDAQ down 1.9%. So yeah, let's... Let's talk about it. It was a nervous, I don't know, maybe not maybe not nervous week. It was just a mixed week for markets. And that's kind of definitely both here and internationally. You know, at home, that has been dominated by the growing number of COVID cases in COVID-19 cases, specifically in Victoria, uh, more specifically, obviously, Melbourne. You know, it was not that long ago that Melbourne was having, you know, single digit daily new cases, you know, something not of really any concern at all, like the sort of five or six or seven uh, cases a day. But this has changed very significantly across the past, you know, seven to 10 days, especially. And this has prompted obviously a big ramp up in testing there. You see community transmission rates spiking higher as well. And overseas, we heard that the EU will begin to allow visitors from July 1, but that is not just any visitors. They have a list of the countries that they are not going to allow and that includes things like Russia or countries like Russia and Brazil but reportedly the US will also be on that banned list. Countries such as our own and Canada for example they'll likely be on the allowed travel list for anyone wanting to go to the EU which is exactly where I am supposed to be right now. I was having this discussion last night about how I was about to board well I should have been boarding a plane at nine o'clock last night so I should be in Istanbul around now I guess or I'll be on my way to Greece basically at the moment so of course those plans were very quickly shot to pieces back in February. You know what's interesting about the EU safe list and the travel ban on certain countries is they it's been reported that they assessed not only just say hard data around infection rates and active cases in the countries uh, that they're actually going to allow people to go into. The other thing they looked at is just the credibility of the public health reporting data which is interesting and whilst credibility of public health data seems obvious when you're thinking of a country like Brazil or like a Russia, but they're, they're obviously extending that thinking towards the US. And I recall the story of that Florida data scientist who was fired from her role and has claimed that the sort of government officials there wanted her to sort of make some, in her words, unethical amendments to the public facing data on COVID-19, this is sort of going back to when it was first ramping up and she was sacked in that role. Uh, I believe she's gone on to 
to make her her own little dashboard of of what she thinks is sort of the un, underreported amount of cases in Florida, um, and she she believes that the the state government there, uh, well, the state officials there are basically underreporting the amount of cases, but also overreporting the amount of testing that they're doing. You know what scares me the most about COVID nineteen, and I don't want to take away from the almost half a million deaths globally that we will hit this week. But what scares me the most is just, you know, you listen to other, whether it's a podcast or, you know, with with epidemiologists, which is a word that I didn't use before 2020, (laughs) Um, but listening to them and reading what they have to say and, you know, articles and on Twitter and stuff. This is, you know, still a pretty mild version of what could possibly be unleashed on the world in terms of a pandemic or a global pandemic. And, and just knowing that and seeing the way certain countries or people have reacted to it, just anyway, just the way that, I think it's just the way that US has politicized things such as wearing a mask and just the amount of tribalism in that country is just insane. But anyway, this is not the People's Pandemic Podcast. This is the Market Pulse Podcast and we care only if stocks go up. But no, all this, of course, that sort of news this week about COVID, say on the domestic front, more specifically in Melbourne, but over in the US with certain states, uh, you've got states like Texas, for example, starting to sort of pull back or, or layer back on restrictions in terms of going out and eating and going to bars. And that's happening in many states over there. But I think what's sort of weighed on investors this week is just maybe they're thinking about the speed of economic recovery and a return to normal life. And, and maybe that might Maybe that not come as quickly as they initially thought, or maybe it's going to be a bit choppy to actually get back there. I feel a little insulated here in Queensland with our closed borders and our very low cases, touch wood. <laughs> but, you know, Melbourne is a, a reminder that things always have the potential to change. And I think it's just that unknown that causes the market jitters, right? You know, Melbourne is a reminder of that and just the continuing case spike in other countries. You know, it's just like a stark reality for investors that we don't really know how the next few months are going to play out and maybe let alone the next year or so on that note we're about to enter reporting season here uh, on the market because the end of financial year is in a couple days and so some of that actual hard data for companies will start to come out in their full uh, full year reports their full financial year reports and you know i'm going to hopefully cover some of the more interesting ones that we'll find and so watch out for that one you know one of the one of the best little Aussie stocks this week on the market was Fisher and Paykel, and they've just been kind of quietly trucking, trucking along this year and doing very well. They're up forty percent this year so far, and they're up quite a bit this week. One of the best performers this week, and they are, of course, they do make ventilators, which I've mentioned on the podcast before. Of course, a very in-demand product globally right now, and uh, investors are very much expecting. That's a company where investors are very much expecting their full year results um, to actually be, look really, really good because of just the demand for the kind of products that they make. And quickly on a somewhat tangent, just in terms of economic data this week, I don't have a lot, but I looked at, I saw Seek, which is the job ads website. They said that job ad volumes lifted 21.9% in the fortnight to June 21, which is of course quite a positive sign in terms of uh, new jobs being available. but their sort of job ad volume is still at 60, 68% of pre-COVID-19 levels. So it's not like it's 
fully recovered yet or, or back to normal. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about the airlines. And it's been a while since I've mentioned Qantas or Virgin, but they were definitely in the forefront of the news this week. And Qantas went into a trading halt and then back out again at the end of the week. They suffered a big fall on Friday. Their share price closed down 9%. Having a look at their ASX release here, and obviously you probably would have seen it all over the news as well, but they've announced a capital raising, which we've seen a, a lot of this year so far out of many companies. And Qantas is doing one for a total of $1.9 billion, 1.4 of which is going to be an institutional placement and the remaining $500 million to be offered to ordinary shareholders through a share purchase plan, which what that means is they will offer existing shareholders the opportunity to buy more shares in the company with the intention of raising a total of $500 million from those retail investors. They usually do this at a discount to the current market price. In the case of this specific offer, they're being the shares being offered at $3.65, which is why you saw that big share price pullback on Friday. They closed the week out at about $3.81 and they started the week sitting at about you know $4.20 for, for at least the start of the week. Now, a $1.9 billion capital raising is no small feat for a company that if you just go to Google and you can type in, say, QANASX, which is like QAN is their ticker, and you'll see that the data there shows that their market cap, which is the value of their company, it's just under $6 billion. So they're diluting that to the tune of about a third of the company's current value. So a very big raising, all things considered. Also in the same release is the announcement of many cost reduction measures, which include around 100 aircraft being grounded for up to 12 months, perhaps longer for some of their fleets. And more, of course, very sadly, a loss of 6,000 jobs, which... I'm sure makes it a very devastating week for many Qantas employees out there. And that's not to also forget that their continued stand down of about 15,000 employees who whilst they haven't lost their job, they've been stood down. And they noted on the release that this is particularly associated in terms of the stand downs themselves with their international operations, which of course it's looking like will take a, quite a long time to recover. And they also confirmed that they will completely revoke the interim dividend, which was initially deferred, but I think if you were holding Qantas shares and expecting a dividend right now, you you might be a little bit silly. You might be a little bit silly. Quickly to Virgin Australia, of course, also in the news, our other large domestic airline here in Australia. They have been in voluntary administration for a little while now, and this week we learned who will be taking over the ownership and direction of the airline, and that task has gone to Bain Capital, which is a US-based private equity firm who won over the administrators and was announced to be well, going to be the airline's new owners. Look, to be honest, on one hand, you can... <laughs> one of my initial reactions to this was, the, you know, just the fact that a private equity firm is taking over the airline and that might turn into them just vulture-picking everything apart just to make a return on their investment and, you know, riding off into the sunset. However, the commitments which apparently won them the deal in in the eyes of the administrators revolve around protecting jobs and establishing an employee profit sharing scheme carrying forward travel credits for travelers who are holding them employees that are you know going to be losing their job like actually looking at retraining those employees who, who face that redundancy and, and many other promises which you can read about on the reporting but i think Obviously, what's also going to happen is it's going to be a much different looking airline. And they also said that you know, one of the big physical differences will be a, 
basically a halving of the size of its current fleet of planes. So a huge reduction in the amount of planes under under the Virgin umbrella. But I'm going to jump into the question this week because all the sort of airlines talk transition nicely into a listener question for the week, which I got. And it comes from Matt, who is on the Gold Coast. And he asks, in light of all the news this week, how do you feel about investing in airlines? Have you ever invested in airlines in the past? Hey, Matt. Um, thanks for the question, firstly, I should say. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I feel a bit weird about this question because it's almost like cheating. Like I can answer it now with the hindsight of a pandemic behind me well not behind us but like you know the hindsight of a pandemic being there which to be honest I hadn't really thought too much about before this time and but I imagine your question is more about whether to invest in a company like Qantas now given what we know so far the last part of your question is the easiest to answer I have not invested in an airline ever the closest I've come is of course my dreaded Webjet which I've spoken about in many episodes before although they've They've done all right over the last month or so, but um, that's been a company that's plagued my portfolio in the last six months. But that and Serco, which is like a New Zealand-based software as a service, so a SaaS company that uh, create software platforms for corporate travel management, not the company, but just for corporate traveling entities. So um, yeah, I've never invested in an airline, but I have invested in two travel-related stocks. You know, the thing with airlines is, and everyone says this, but they are very, 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 very capital intensive, which I tend not to like in my investments. And that seems to, you know, of course, that makes it difficult to run an airline really well. Although I do think it has seems like Qantas has been a much better run airline, well, definitely a much better run airline than Virgin. But I mean, a pro sort of side, if you had the pros and cons list, is that I don't think our appetite for travel goes away i know it's not there right now even if we wanted to but i don't think it will be i don't think it will be permanently damaged again i again i don't think so i I don't know what i'm talking about half the time so i could be very wrong but you know what's weird with airlines is what used to worry me the most about them is just the impact of oil and oil prices and and i know that airlines can hedge oil prices because that's the way that they built in that risk into their business but i always get concerned about the cyclical nature of oil and just airlines being somewhat bound by that. But I never ever considered worldwide pandemic (laughs) as a concern when you're thinking about travel slash, in this case, specifically airline stocks. And, you know, I should have, I should have, this should be something we consider because we we think about things like terrorism because, you know, that's very tangible and, uh, you know, an Icelandic volcano that we can't pronounce for the life of us going off. And just how that impacts travel. But, you know, 2020 is just going to permanently change the way we think about the risk of these types of events and how that plays into investing in travel sector stocks. I don't know. I, I, my, my answer is no. I don't like the idea of putting money into Qantas. And that is different to what I think of the brand. I think their brand is exceptional and very much integrated as much as a brand can be into what, I guess, what you would call our national identity. But... In terms of just trying to be objective on the point, the, the reason I'd shy away from an airline investment is just the unknowns. You know, it's just, I don't know what the next couple of years looks like for Qantas. I don't believe anyone if they were telling me that they do, but I don't think anyone's doing that. But I, I don't know if this panic pandemic gets worse. Maybe it does get better. Maybe it gets better quicker than experts think. But 
and maybe we're back to normal this time next year, but I don't know. And I imagine Qantas and even their CEO, Alan Joyce, doesn't know either. So because of that, I just don't see how you can properly start to think about the valuation of a company or consider their cash flows or profitability because there's just too much unknown there with a, with a company like that. And that that concerns me the most. I know that's a bit of a cop-out answer, but Matt, if you do decide to go in on Qantas, good luck. Uh, good luck on that. Uh, it's kind of a bit of a punt in my eyes, but I'm not, not saying you're going to be wrong, but we'll see what happens. Well, thank you very much for tuning in this week. It's been a pleasure as always. I hope you are enjoying your day wherever you are listening to this. If you do have a question for the show like Matt did this week, you can shoot it through to marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. My name is Dion Gribben. Thank you very much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Cheers.